Amen. I want to mention now, choir, remember 5 o'clock this evening, choir practice. We are going to have a Christmas cantata and play this year, and that's an exciting time, and so we're working on that. And uh, want to uh, remind all of you of that. It's been a while since we've had a full cantata and play. We're excited about it, so you want to get the word out. Of course, December around here is very busy. Uh, we uh, usually kick things off on the 9th. That's the parade here in Lookout Valley. We always try to have a presence in the parade and hand out tracts and hand out information about our church and the Hoovers have so graciously kind of helped to take over that, working with the decorations of it, and so they might be asking for some help here in the near future, but uh, we don't want to miss Thanksgiving and all that takes place in the month of November. want to remind you now on the week of Thanksgiving, uh, we always have our midweek service on Tuesday night, and so that will be the same this year, uh, that's Thanksgiving week. Instead of having it on that Wednesday, we have it on Tuesday. I also realize that Christmas Eve is on Sunday night, and so we'll probably have something special, maybe a, a, a Christmas Eve special service, a short, something very special. So we'll look ahead to all of that. Thankful all of you are here. Uh, appreciate you being here. I know many of you are here because of a family member of getting baptized. We're so glad that you're here. And we want the family to know we love your family. We love your families. Um, we're, we're family here. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time that if you come to church here two or three times, you're going to see, you, you see what you get. You get what you see. Amen? And uh, so I always get excited when people want to join us, a bunch of crazy people. Amen? But I learned something this morning. I, I'm going to tell y'all, y'all need to start setting up closer to the front. Y'all know why? Because someone told me this morning, and I appreciate the input, said, uh, I feel like possibly maybe your church might think you're mean. Everybody's sitting back from the pastor. I've never thought of that before. But that gives good reason for all of you to scoot up a row. And here's what else is funny. Yesterday, you know, we told everybody to leave this parking lot clear. No cars. So it was so funny. I don't know how many people told me, said, Pastor, next year we're not going to be able to tell our people not to park because even visitors didn't even park there. They didn't know where to park, so it don't look like anybody's parking over there. But no, that's for our visitors, so maybe next year we'll put a few cars up there. But we had a great day, and I appreciate all of your help and just the good day. And um, would you open your precious Bible this morning, the book of Romans? We're going to look at a couple of passages this morning. A couple of passages. We're going to start in Romans chapter 1, and then if you want, stick maybe a a marker or your finger over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But we're going to start in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You know, having an event like we had yesterday, and every time we have something like that, to me it just seems like it binds our church family closer together. Having something fun like that and uh, working together and, and uh, just having good fun. And uh, so I, again, it's just a, always a highlight of our year. And so uh, I appreciate all of the work and, and the spirit and attitude about it. I thought we had a great spirit here yesterday. Romans chapter 1. I want to begin reading with verse number 14. This is the Apostle Paul here, we believe, writing, obviously, knowing that he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And I want you to notice he's dealing with a very, really, probably the most important subject. And that's what I want to preach on this morning, and you'll find out, obviously, 
If I was to say, all right, we're going to preach on probably the most important subject, maybe opinions would vary. But to be truthful, this is the most important subject. I want you to notice verse 14. The Bible says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me, as I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So obviously we understand the subject this morning is in verse 16 and The Bible very clearly says, the Apostle Paul makes a declarative statement. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to define what is the gospel. You ever heard someone say, well, I'll tell you right now, he's a gospel preacher. Or that's a gospel preaching church. What does that mean? What does that mean? We live in a day in this culture that we are living, listen to me now, in America, we are biblically illiterate. Now when I was a little boy, I could probably go to any of my friends in grade school and ask them if they knew the story of David and Goliath, and I would say nine out of ten of them would say, oh yes, I know the story of David and Goliath, but I want to tell you something. You go to the average school today and speak to children in school, and you ask them, and I guarantee you probably four out of ten will say, oh yes, I've heard that story. We're living in a country that is biblically illiterate, so we cannot take things for granted and say, well, everybody knows what it means to have a gospel preacher, to have a gospel preaching church. What does it mean? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1, the Bible tells us it defines the gospel. Notice what the Bible says in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. That word vain means empty. Look at verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. So the gospel in a nutshell is simply, we find it in verse number 3 and 4. He says that Christ died for our sins, and that He was buried, and that He rose from the dead. I don't know about you, that's the best news I've ever heard. That's the good news. Do you know what the gospel, if we was to translate that word, what that word gospel means? It just simply means good news. Good tidings. And so here's the question that Paul asked. or He said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now I have a question for all of us here this morning. If we're ashamed of this good news, shame on us. 
Shame on us. I mean, we're not giving bad news. We're not preachers of bad things. We're preachers of the gospel. We're a church that believe in the gospel, so we ought to be giving good news. And the best news I ever heard is I was an old nasty sinner and my sin separated me from God, but because He loved me so much, He came to this earth, was born of a man and a, born of a woman, not of a man. He was born of the Holy Spirit and of a woman. He was born of a virgin. Why? Because he had no sin running through his veins. He was the God man. 100% God, 100% man. He lived on this earth for 33 and a half years. He was wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused, hung on an old rugged cross, gave his life, put in a borrowed tomb and praised God on that third day. He raised from the dead. And because all of that happened, listen to me now, I can and am saved. And if you're saved here this morning, it's because you believed the gospel, the good news. Y'all know that little song? We learned it as a child. Good news, good news, Christ died for me. Good news, good news, if I believe. Good news, good news, I live eternally. That's wonderful, extra good news. How many of y'all heard that song? Well, I appreciate it. I must have butchered it because, man, y'all were looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. If I was to sing that again, how many of you could just pop right in there and sing it with me? How many of y'all believe it's good news? That's what the gospel is. It's good news. So when someone says, hey, is your preacher a gospel preacher? You say, yes, he preaches the good news. Even with a squeaky voice. Good news. Now see, most people that come to church, I'll tell you right now, I know what that preacher's going to preach on today. He's going to preach on money. By the way, money's in the Bible. It's talked a lot about in the Bible, but we don't always preach on money. I hardly ever hit the subject. But I'm going to tell you what I try to hit all the time. The gospel. Why do we have this mission conference and we want to send these missionaries all around the world to get the good news out? Y'all like watching the news? I'm telling y'all right now, there's times I want to take my shotgun and just shoot the holes in it. I get frustrated who it. I mean frustrated. And listen, what our ears have heard these last week is saddening. It's absolutely discouraging to hear all of the bad news that we hear on the news. That's why you ought to come to church so you can get some good news. Gospel preacher. Hey, what does it mean to us? What does it mean? What is the practical meaning of the gospel? See, these people have this idea about church. I'll tell you right now, I ain't going to go down there to church. Well, why? Bunch of hypocrites down there. Well, I'm not going to say that that ain't true. To be fair, all of us have been hypocrites. All of us have. But we're not here to look at hypocrites. We're to come to look to the Savior. But not only that, I don't come here to say, well, what's the bad news preacher? What's he going to step on my foot today about? Well, usually we try to wrap it up with the good news. Oh, I know on Sunday night sometimes I got to have a pastoral message and we got to deal with some things. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think our church is a church of good news. 
Wow, we believe the gospel. We preach the gospel. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, your greatest need, my greatest need, is, a, is Jesus Christ who came to this earth, was born to a virgin, was living for 33 and a half years, went to the cross, died, was buried. Praise God, he's alive today, evermore, at sitting at the right hand of the Father. Ever making intercession for us. That's good news. You know what that means? He's praying for us. Do you realize that today, that the Jesus Christ is making, he's interceding for us. You know what that means? He's going to his Father on our behalf. That's good news. How many of y'all like to hear someone say, hey, Pastor, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I love to hear those words. I love to hear when someone says to me, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. You know what? That's good news. Could you imagine someone says, hey, Pastor, I want you to know I ain't praying for you. Hey, Pastor, I just want you to know, I like the church and everything, but I don't really like you. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, that might give me a little bit of reason to be discouraged today. By the way, it didn't happen, but I'm sure through the years someone's felt it. But we're not sitting here maximizing that stuff. I'm telling y'all right now, you're a sinner. God still loves you, and he paid your sin debt on the cross. And if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior, he'll save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter the things you've fought. He will save you. That's good news. The good news. What's it mean? When we talk about the gospel, can I just real quick, I'm going to do this quickly. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 16 says this, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Woe unto us if we do not tell the good news. Hey, Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation, that's the way we live, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit. Mark 13.10, and the gospel must first be published among the nations. Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Preachers should be separated to the good news. Christians ought to be separated unto the good news. Hey, 2 Corinthians 4.3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Hey, the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. By the way, if you're saved, it was committed to your trust too. What are we doing with it? Are we going fishing with it? How many of y'all like to fish? Man, Aiden just got back. I'm jealous. I'm confessing my sin before y'all this morning. He went on the Mecca of trout fishing in Arkansas. He went to the White River. He just showed me a picture of like a 22-inch brown trout. Yes, I'm sitting there coveting. <laughs> but I can guarantee you they had to have something on their hook to catch a trout. They're just not going to hit a bare hook. I'm going to tell you right now, they had the right kind of bait. They had the right kind of lure. Hey, we're fishers of men. We got the right kind of lure. Amen. We got the good news. We can tell every man. And so we ought to be, look, it's in our trust. We ought to be fishing for men. Philippians 1.17 says this, But the other of love, knowing that I am set 
for the defense of the gospel. Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. By the way, there's a lot of false gospel being given. And you got to be wise. You have to be discerning. Because there's some people that can talk really good. They're winsome. They're deceptive. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The Bible's clear. Jesus Christ is the door. If any man entered into heaven, they're going to go through him. There's no other way. Got scripture, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Clear, clear. There's not a more clear message in the Bible than the gospel. It's the good news. Colossians 1.5 says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. See why this subject is the most important subject that we'll ever think about. Because everything we depend on is because of this good news, the gospel. I don't know why people get, they get, by the way, we can talk about weather, we can talk about hunting, we can talk about fishing, we can talk about everything else. But boy, you start to talk to people about the Lord and their faith, boy, people start to clam up on you. And here's what amazes me about it. That is the most important thing we can talk about. Because at the end of life, we're going to die or the Lord Jesus is going to come and we're going to live somewhere forever. I don't know about y'all, if I'm going to go on a vacation, I talk it up. I've already started looking for a vacation spot for August. I've already started looking. I love doing it. By the way, my wife finally has to look at me and say, honey, that's like eight months away. Would you put your phone down for a few minutes? I can get absolutely, man, I just get on there and start looking at that stuff. Man, I want to plan something out. And that's just a place that I'm going to go for a week. And I've run into people that's 40 years old and they've never given three days thought of where they're going to spend eternity. I know other people will spend a whole year like me, man. They'll plan a vacation. They're only going to be gone for a week and they've given no thought to where they're going to spend forever. I don't know about you, but that just don't make no sense to me. I don't know why we would clam up when we start thinking about where are you going to live forever? Well, praise God, I'm going to heaven because I've trusted Jesus as my Savior. I'm not ashamed to tell people that. I'm telling you right now, when I met Jesus, He changed my life. I've never been the same. Listen, Ephesians 6.19 says this, And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15.1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, that also ye have received, and wherein ye stand. I could go on and on and on. 
Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, Paul said. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You say, Pastor Mark, what's your ministry? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. You say, what is the ministry of, great, of Tiftonia Baptist Church? Hey, it's to testify of the good grace of the gospel. Can I ask you all a question? Are you doing it? Am I doing it? By the way, this is a give me. Everybody expects me to do it here. And I want you to know, yes, there is a warfare that goes on here and trying to preach the gospel, but it's a whole lot easier preaching it here in my house with my family than out there with a bunch of enemies. But we still should be testifying of the good gospel of God. Amen? Now, real quick, how does this make practical application? What does this good news mean to us practically? Can I just give you a few things? This is not exhaustive. These are just some things that I thought that I think would encourage us. Do you know what really it means to know and to understand and to believe the gospel? You know what it means? It means hope for the hopeless. That's what the gospel gives. It gives hope. Y'all know what? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I just can't feel at home in this world anymore. I'm going to tell you all right now, if this is all we got, all of us need to go to the cuckoo bin. I'm telling you, if this is all we got, it's no wonder depression's at a high sky rate in America. So I'm going to tell you all right now, if this is all we got to look forward, is all this mess that we got to deal with here, and we don't have any hope for something better, no wonder we're nuts. But listen to me. The gospel tells me that I'm going to live forever in heaven, and I'm going to lay all this down. This is all temporary, therefore giving me hope. The Bible says I have a lively hope. That's a living hope. That's one that I can wake up every day and say, you know what, this too shall pass. One day here after a while, either by death or by translation, either by the Lord coming and stepping out on that cloud, blowing the trumpet, and us being called up into the air to be with Him in the rapture, or we die with death. Listen to me. We're going to a better place. I have a better hope. And it's all because what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. Hey, I want you to know there's always hope. Do you know why most people don't make it in life? They just don't think there's hope. I got good news for you. There's always hope. There's always hope. Can I say it means hope for the hopeless? Can I say it means love for the unlovable? Do you know what it means to preach the gospel? That means that God loves an old sinner like me. Now, I know this is shocking to you. Some of y'all probably think, oh, Pastor Mark, you're always lovable. That's not true. You can ask my wife. I appreciate her love. She's put up with me through thick and thin. She's put up with me. I've aggravated her to death. Can I get any other man that might would be this honest there to say a little sharp Amen. Hey, listen, I thank God for her love. I know people on this earth love me, but there's been times in my life that I've questioned people's love. But you know where I can encourage myself? I know he always loves me. Here's what's loving about, here's what's great about that. He's faithful to me even when I'm not faithful to him. 
I'm going to tell you right now, the gospel tells me that he loves me even when I'm unlovable. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, you don't know me. I'm not very lovable. Don't matter. He loves you anyhow. Because I'm going to tell you, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, would you send your son for you? Would you send your son to die on an old rugged cross for somebody that you don't know? I'm going to tell you what, if we're going to send, if I'm going to give up my son for somebody else, which listen to me, you know I won't do. He did. So we need to quit questioning God and saying, God, I just don't think you love me. He's already proved he's loved us by giving his son. He's given love to the unlovable. That's what the gospel is practical to me. I don't have to walk around and say, oh, nobody loves me. No, God loves me. That's what the gospel means. Hey, can I say, it's love for the unlovable. Hey, here's another one. I love this. It gives robes. Hey, it, 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 it means robes for the ragged. Y'all know that beautiful story when the old prodigal son went out and he wasted all of his living and took that money from his daddy? He said, boy, I want all my inheritance now. And boy, the Bible says that man went out and he, he wasted all of his money. He had no respect for his father. He took everything that his father gave him. He went out and ruined and wasted his life. And when it was all said and done, he was sitting there in a hog pen. And by the way, that's usually what that kind of living leads to. Because we're in a hog pen somewhere. Our friends are gone because they really weren't friends. They were just around because what you could give them. And that old prodigal son learned it the hard way. And he says, man, I'm sitting here eating and trying to fight these pigs for something to eat. And I can think back at my father's house. His servants are even eating better than me. And here's what the Bible said. He said he came to himself. And he took that journey back. By the way, he didn't take a bath. He still stunk. He still smelled like a pig. But boy, I want to tell you what, that's a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father because that old father, he'd be sitting out there on that porch. He looked every day for his old prodigal son that was lost to come back home. And he was out there on that porch every day looking for that. By that time, one glad day, he got to looking long down that road. He started to wipe his eyes. He said, is that my boy? He said, oh, that's my boy. He's coming back home. And the Bible said that he came off the porch and he ran and he fell and grabbed that boy and hugged him. By the way, he stunk. He smelled. He had done awful things to his father, but his father was just glad he was home and he hugged him and said, oh, you were lost, but now you're found. And you know what he did? He took them old dirty, nasty clothes and he put the best robe on him. And by the way, when you get saved, that's what he does. He clothes you in righteousness. He takes your old filthy rags and covers them up with a robe of righteousness. Hey, that's what the gospel means to me. He gives robes for the ragged. Can I say quickly, I'm hurrying now. It means peace for the troubled. You know, everybody's worried, but we don't have any. We need to be praying for the peace of Israel. By the way, we have such a, I'm amazed at the underlying bullying of people that hate the Jewish people. It amazes me. I, I would have never dreamed it was that bad, but boy, we're seeing how bad that is. And they've, they've miscued, they've missed, look here, they've taken all of that, and, and I've tried to explain it this way. They're down there trying to defend their land. By the way, there is no doubt that land is Jewish land. God gave it to them. It's clear in Scripture. That would be like people coming in at a section of our America and come in and kill our people and babies and children and overtake land. I would think that every American man would want to defend their land. And now we've so obscured that in our communities and in our society and in media. I'm amazed. 
the hatred towards a group of people that God has always loved. Amazes me. But I say, all of that to say this, we're praying for peace. Look at me. I got it already. Because of the gospel, I can lay my head in the pillow at night and no matter how bad things are, I know here after a while, God gives peace. Amen. That's what the gospel means to me. Praise God. Peace, peace, wonderful peace. Do you have peace tonight? You know when that really struggle? I'm going to tell you all, I don't know about y'all, but y'all know when I would struggle the worst when I would lay down at night. Y'all ever do that? Man, can I help everybody? There might be somebody here today and you say, boy, Pastor, I'm fine if everything's busy. But boy, when I lay down at night, everything gets quiet and I really start to think about stuff that's important. I'm just going to be honest with you, Pastor, I don't have peace. Neither did I. You know why? Because that's when God wants to speak to you. Because see, as long as we stay busy, we don't have to think about big things. But what happens when we lay down in bed and we start thinking, boy, God, what if I die during the night? What happens? See, that's God using that time. Do you have peace? You can have it. When you believe the gospel, when you believe this good news, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, listen to me, He gives you peace. And I'm going to close. i got to hurry. You know what the gospel means? It means a pardon for us that are guilty. I know this is where preaching gets unpopular, but I want y'all to know your children, your grandchildren, you and me and my grandchildren, my children, you know what we all are? We're all sinners. I know we don't like that. I have two precious little grandchildren. They're precious. Kate and Cora, they're precious little children. But you know what? I know they're sinners. And I'm praying, we're praying that when they come to the age that they understand who Jesus is and what Jesus did, we're praying that they will believe the gospel. That's the good news. That gives all of us hope. But see, here's the truth. We're all guilty. You say, Pastor, I've never done anything wrong. Well, you being born, you were born a sinner. To see, you were born a man and woman. Your mother, your father, and their mother, and their father, and their grandmother, and their grandfather, they all sinners. We're all, see, that's what makes Jesus different. He was not born of man and woman. That which was planted in Mary was planted of the Holy Ghost. He did not have an earthly father. So I don't believe that. That's scientifically incorrect. Well, the Bible's correct. Him speaking the very world into existence is not scientifically correct either. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'll believe that over evolution any day. It takes faith, doesn't it? But boy, I love the gospel. You know why? Because it gives pardon for the guilty. I got to quickly tell you all this. Y'all know I was raised in West Virginia, a little town called Hinton. I lived on the New River. I love smallmouth bass fishing. Cut my teeth on it. My dad had me out there as far as long as I could get out there, man. I'd go wading. Man, we would catch smallmouth all the time. And, and uh, I think it was my junior year. Might have been my junior year. Might have been early, early senior year. But it was in March of the year. Just starting to get warm. The bass fishing started to get good. And I had a friend in from Virginia. He said, hey, let's go fishing. I said, well, let's go. He said, well, I don't have my license. I said, well, I've never seen a game warden here. Famous last words of 11th grader. Amen. I said, come on, let's go. And here was the worst thing. You know, I'm from West Virginia. We were in West Virginia. But he took his truck with Virginia tags. 
So we're down there fishing, and I'm amazed. I mean, we're wearing the bass out too, man. It was cold, but they were the water was up. They was in the slack water. We was ripping lips off of them. And about that time, all of a sudden, I just seen Vinny. He just shoot. And I mean, that pole went back in the woods, and it went like 30 feet back. And I'm like, what's he doing? And he just starts walking over towards me. Well, I look down the thing, and man, here comes this guy walking up through there. I'm like, well, that ain't a game warden. I've never seen a game warden down here. And I don't know how this man did it. But he walked right by. He said, how you doing? I said, good. I said, how you doing? He said, fine. He kept walking, and Vinny was like walking towards me. I'm like, what's going on? That guy, I don't know how he did it. He walked right by me and he walked up in them woods 30 feet and picked that fishing pole up. <laughs> I mean, he picked up, and about that time, behold, he said, you boys fish? I said, yeah. He said, y'all catch it? I said, yeah. And Benny was like, oh, no. He said, I'm just down here watching him. And, by, and that man never stopped. He just walked right by us, and he walked right up in about 20, 30 yards of it, and he picked a fishing pole up. Boy, you should have seen Vinny. Boy, he done turned it on. He, well, he told officer, I was, I was fishing. He said, I mean, he started crying. I mean, I'm standing there going, I can't believe this is going on. Here's the bad part. That guy walks over there to me and him. He said, look, boys, he said, I'm not playing games with you. He said, you got your license? I said, yes, sir. He said, let me see him. He said, well, I lost him. I lost everything. I said, I lost him. He said, you bought him? I said, oh, yeah. He said, looked over at Vinny. He said, uh, how long you been here? He said, well, I've been here for a few days. He said, why didn't you get your license? He said, well, I just didn't. He said, well, look, boys. He said, we're going to the magistrate's court. He said, I better look and see that white S10 in my rearview mirror. Because he said, if I see you try to get away, he said, I'm going to let you drive behind me. But he said, if I see that S10 go, he said, I'm going to slam both of you in jail. Well, he had me. You better follow us. We get back up there in that truck. Benny's still crying. I mean, he's still putting it on. And I'm, I just, I can't believe this is going on. I said, I ain't never seen a game more in my life. We're getting ready to go to court. So then we start driving down the road, and here's what, the guy stops. He gets out of the truck. He walks back there to us. He said, boys, I've made a mistake. He said, we're in Raleigh County. He said, we can't go to Summers County, which was just across the river. He said, we're going to have to drive to Beckley. That was a 35-minute drive. He said, no, boys, I'm going to tell you all right now. He said, y'all have more of an opportunity to get away from him. He said, when I look in my rearview mirror, he said, I better see that S10. And Vinny said, no problem. We went all the way to Beckley, went to the master's office, downtown Beckley. Now, y'all have to understand, it ain't nothing like Chattanooga, but for me and Hinton, Beckley was a big place. We walk in there, and, man, we go down in this dungeon. And, and the guy done told me, he said, you know I could get you for a ticket, too, charge you, because you're fishing with a guy, and you knew he didn't have license. I said, yes, sir. He said, plus you don't even have your license. I said, I know I lost it. He said, well, I want a copy of your license. I had to, later on had to send that guy a copy of my license because I had bought it. I just lost it. And I'll never forget it. I'm getting somewhere. Y'all stay with me. I'm just not trying to make you laugh. We walk in this place, and I, I mean, I knew things were serious because here I am. I'm 11th grade or 12th grade at best. He might have just graduated high school. We walk down in that court magistrate's office, and we walk down there, man, and there's two guys down there chained to the floor. I mean, they got chains. I mean, big old chain. They got them hooks in the floor. And there they are. And here me and little old Vinny, high school kids, we walk in there like, I said, I'm in the wrong place. We walk in there. I'm scared to death. That was before cell phones. I'm sitting there going, dear God, what's going to happen? We're in here. Vinny's still crying. <laughs> About that time, man, this is how they do it in West Virginia now. Y'all ready? That game warden walks up to Vinny. He said, son, he said, look, he said, I'm going to try to tell the match to take it easy on you. He said, how much money you got? <laughs> Vinny pulled his wallet out. 
I know y'all think I'm embellishing this. This is exactly how it happened. He pulled his wallet out. He said, I got $96. And he said, I got to get back home to Virginia. He said, I'm going to go in and tell the master to take it easy on you. We're sitting out there. By that time, he said, visit Williams. And man, Benny stood. He walked over and the door was open in the magistrate court. I'm sitting out there in the thing. I'll never forget it. The only time I laughed the whole, more, the whole time is I'm sitting out there and I can hear that magistrate write, write down the list of offenses that Benny had done. That he was fishing out of state without a license. You know, and and here's, here's the words I caught. He said, Vincent Williams, he said, how do you plead? <laughs> I'll never forget. I get tickled here. I heard Vinny in that broken voice. He went, guilty. <laughs> About that time, that old magic, I, wham, he hit that gavel. He said, $94. <laughs> <laughs> he, he left him with two bucks. I never forgot. He, I could hear that guy when he went. Guilty as charged. He said the fine's $94. Vincent came out there. And I'll never forget. We had to drive back home. He said, well, he said, I bought my Aunt Mona a little bit of groceries. He said, that was 20 bucks." He said, I'm going to have to tell her. She's going to have to pay me. That's how I can get home. Here's what I thought. I could never. I've heard that word over and over and over. And he said, guilty. He said, Vincent Williams. Are you guilty as charged? He said, guilty. You know what? I stand and I stood in the courtroom. And all of the witnesses came against me and I want y'all to know something. He said, hey, listen, I want you to know you've disobeyed, you've lied, you've stolen, you've been a sinner, you've thought some horrible things. Mark Brandon, how do you plead? Guilty. I'm guilty. But I thank God before the court hit the gavel. I'm thankful the Lord Jesus Christ put his hand out and stopped the gavel and said, oh, he might be guilty, but I want you to know something. I've pardoned him. Because everything he's ever done, everything he's ever said, everything he's ever done that's been against me, he said, I paid for on the cross. He's innocent. He's pardoned. And I want y'all to know something. The devil will never let you buy with stuff you've done. He loves to bring up your guilt. He loves to bring up your sin. But I want you to know something. Even though you were a sinner, even though you were guilty, listen to me, the gospel means I've been pardoned. Have you been pardoned? Guilty, Mark Brandon. Oh, yes, I'm guilty. But I thank God I had an interceder. Hey, I had an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous who came to my aid and said, Oh, no, he's not guilty. And when God the Father sees me, he doesn't see my old guilty record. He only sees the perfect record of his son, Jesus Christ. I don't know about y'all. That's good news. How many of y'all feel like you're guilty? How many of you glad you've been pardoned? If you haven't been pardoned, listen to me. Today's the day. Today's the day. You'd be a fool not to get pardoned today. I wouldn't let a crowd, I wouldn't let what someone say, oh, I'm too embarrassed to do that. I wouldn't let anything like that keep me from getting pardoned. Not a thing. That's the most foolish thing I ever heard in my life. 
to be too embarrassed to get pardoned. Amen? So if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, I beg, I plead with you, if you'll come forward this morning, we'll have someone take the Bible and they'll show you right from God's Word how you know that you know that you know that you know that you've been pardoned. Amen? Isn't that good news?